Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoyed this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. I'm back. What's up? Yeah, look a little different up here, don't it? Who these people is? Before we get started, I want to let everybody know um, today our pastor is not feeling well. Yes. And it's, we, um, we came up with an idea last week of incorporating our team to really start unpacking this parable. And this happened. And, and so we got word from our pastor to say, hey, I trust you guys to, to finish it strong. So we're here today, and before we go into what we're doing, I want to take a moment. So we've been praying as a staff for him and Gabrielle, but I want our Fusion family to pray for him as well. So let's take this moment to, to bow our heads and, and pray for him as he gets better in how he's feeling. So Father God, we just come before you again. Um, Lord, we come saying, God, again, whatever is in Vance right now that is making him feel ill, um, Lord, you will, you will pull it out, God, and, and understand that he is covered in the blood of Jesus, that he is healed right now in Jesus' name as he is getting rest and understanding he wanted to be here. Um, but God, we, we thank you for allowing him to trust us um, with this platform on tonight. So God, I pray that you continue to cover him and Gabrielle um, as they navigate just what he's feeling. And God, um, we just claim it right now in Jesus' name that he is healed. Amen. So... Y'all doing all right? All right, cool, cool. So we're going to do some introductions in a little bit. But if you do not know, we are in a series called The Parable. How many of y'all like last week's message? And what we're doing is we're unpacking uh, the parable as a whole. So it's the parable of the sower. If you wasn't here last week, we're going to kind of remind you of that. And tonight we wanted to kind of have a conversation on what's actually going on in this parable and how this parable uh, is described in a way in our lives as well. And we wanted to unpack that with you. Um, so we can go and break it down. All right. So what's up, y'all? Y'all doing all right out there? All right. Cool. So who was here last week? Okay. Okay. About 50% of the room. Where was y'all at last week? Y'all one? I'm just kidding. All right. This is, what? Too busy praying. Yeah, you know, getting the word of God. It's good stuff, good stuff. All right, so last week, uh, Vance kicked it off, and the title of the message was The Path. Um, and he came out of Matthew, and, and where there's a farmer who pretty much is laying out seeds on, on good soil, and some of those seeds end up landing on um, just just bad dirt, dirt that's just been walked on, trampled on. Um, and then what that represented pretty much was for those who heard the message, but um, what they learned was taken away from the enemy. Um, and so again, what, what happened in that parable was that those seeds landed on um, just the dirt and, and what happened was the birds came and ate it. And so one thing that Vance said that really stood out to me was that when those seeds fell on the dirt, they couldn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, and they couldn't produce what they were supposed to produce. And so um, one thing that uh, Vance said or what he really uh, harped on was that the truth. We need to know the truth. The, the truth, the word of God is so important in our lives um, as we continue on this path, as we continue to, to do what we're uh, supposed to do. Um, and so... I am parched. Y'all hear me? I'm sorry. 
Tay, stay with a water bottle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm, yeah. Okay, so, um, so yeah, y'all laughing at me. I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much what it was is to um, realize how important the truth is. Um, and how we can receive that is pretty much through our hearts. But sometimes we allow things to trample over our hearts, whether that is lies from the enemy or maybe we're hanging out with the wrong people or... Maybe we're watching things that we're not supposed to be watching, and the truth is hard to sink in because our hearts are hardened. Our hearts have been walked on, and maybe we've allowed some things to happen that is not Christ-like. Y'all remember that? All right, so um, that's what he's pretty much talking about, the truth, the word of God, um, and how important that is for us in our lives. Hello. If you guys don't know me, my name's Riley. Make some noise, Riley. This is our <laughs> new admin. She just started with us. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yes, Riley is new to our team. So let's make a big welcome for her. This is Riley. She is our new admin assistant. Thank you. Thank you. Squat, squat. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, and She's so. Married. <laughs> married. I am. Show the ring, show the ring. Wee, wee. Yeah, she is married. Yes, married. <laughs> Fellas, Riley, they're they dogs in here. <laughs> they're dogs. I'm just playing. All right, all right. <laughs> Anyway. You know how y'all do. <laughs> All right, just reeling it back in. So this week we're going to dive into the second part of the parable. And in Matthew, in this part it talks about how seed is being thrown onto shallow soil. Underlying this uh, soil is rock. And so it causes these seeds to grow quickly, but they wither and die fast as well because the, the roots, when they grow, it just hits the rock, and it can't go deeper. All it has is that space between the rock and the soil, and we said it's shallow, so there's, it's like nothing. And so it kind of talks about how when we um, throw our seeds, there will be, the rock represents hard places, hard times, and when we let that rock kind of stop us, we, we grow quick, but we kind of wither away, and we want to give up, basically. And so that's kind of what, we're going into tonight with this second part of the parable. All right. So what we're going to do is, we, as Raleigh talked about in the parable, um, the second part is the part with rock. And as we think through the shallow pieces, we were reminded as we was reading the scripture that the shallow areas in our pursuit with Christ was the beginning stage, correct? And so when we were starting our journey with Christ, we wasn't as deep as we thought we were. And then when bad things started to happen, it started to wither us in a way, um, push us away from Christ and just different things that happened. So today, what we want to do is unpack that about the moments where it was shallow in our lives, and then we can unpack that about our stories and what God revealed to us, and also for you guys to be thinking through the times when it was shallow for you. There may be a few people now that is in that shallow state with God. We, again, we've had many people give their lives to Christ recently. And so as they're walking along with God now, we want to kind of talk through what that really looks like in this parable to say, hey, there was a time where we were in shallow ground with God and the enemy almost took us out, right? So we're going to talk about that today and we're going to have a few conversations. So we're real, hey, we're, we're a fun team. We're, we're going to pack this thing in an amazing way. 
Um, and, and we're going to have some fun with it, too. So, and we just want you guys to be open uh, for what the Lord is going to do. So we're going to kick it off, as I said, with uh, when we first started our pursuit with Christ, we had an expectation of what that was supposed to look like. And so for me, the expectation of giving my life to Christ meant everything was going to be a breeze, right? I gave my life to God, and we good, right? Can anybody agree with me? Yeah? Y'all good? Y'all know? All right, yeah, yeah, all right. Well, for me, again, the expectation was I was going to give my life to Christ, and it may be dramatic, but this is my expectation. I said I was going to give my life to Christ. Everything was going to instantly leave me. All the sin I've done, the bad stuff, everything was just going to disappear, right? And as I continued to go, I was just going to get stronger in my faith, know the word, like me saying, God, come into my life, and I was just going to have this hunger of God, I just want to read your word day and night. That was the expectation for me. And as I placed that expectation on what my journey was going to look like, it was completely different. As I had that expectation, things started to happen in my life. It was the complete opposite of the expectation that I had. I didn't instantly have... Uh, the desire to continue to read his word. Sin did not magically remove itself from me. And so I think that big piece of the shallow ground that we are in, we, well, for me, didn't know what the true expectation was with my pursuit with God. So, team, what was your expectation uh, when you started your journey with Christ? Was it like mine? Was it different? Explain. I'll go. Um, for me, it was to the point where I was like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. Because growing up, you know, I don't know where you guys started at church, but for me, it was like, you know, people are running the aisles, you know, and, you know, looking crazy. And I didn't want any part of that. Just like that. Yeah, he said. See, I don't know about that. I don't know. Were there flags? <laughs> What? Were there there flags? were flags. There were flags and dancers and everything. Christian flag, and, yeah, the Baptist no. flag. There's always flags. Listen, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just, I just was like, nah, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. But later in my life, uh, when I gave my life, <laughs> later in my life, around 13, 14, I gave my life to Christ, and I just thought that everybody um, that proclaimed to be a Christian were really Christians. Um, I just thought that they you know, had it all together, they were cool, um, you know, they didn't have any issues, uh, them and God were, were cool, they were getting blessed all the time, you know, just doing their own thing. Um, and even for myself, I was like, all right, when I, when I become a Christian, I'm going to be good. You know, I don't have to change nothing. All I know is that I said I'm a Christian, I'm good. And so there were no classes like we have at, here at Victory. There was no, you know, four or five step, let's get baptized next. No, it's like, yeah, you just gave your life to Christ and, and that's pretty much it. But for me, it was pretty much, if you're a Christian, then you're, you're fine. You're, I mean, you're not doing anything that you're not supposed to be doing. Uh, this is how it is. This is, this is what Christianity, Christian, Christianity <laughs> is. So, yeah, that's for me. You nailed it. Appreciate it. So, oh gosh. I feel like, 
So when I got saved, it was a lot of, yeah, you're saved, now bring your friends to church. And <laughs> that didn't you know, bring a lot of background or, hey, what's next? I was just like, oh, okay. So I get to go about my day. I'm happy all the time, joyful, woohoo, and, <laughs> and that everything would just be great. Family would be great. Life would be great. I'd have lots of friends, and it would just, my friends wouldn't try to get me to do stuff. I would just be, you know, the strong one, but no one told me that you need to, you know, read your Bible a lot and pray a lot to, you know, keep yourself strong. And so, yeah, to me, it was a lot of just everything will be fine. I don't need to talk to God that much. I don't need to read my Bible that much. Everything will work out because nobody told me. So, (laughs) yeah, they played me a little bit, I think. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess that's kind of what it was like for me when I first got saved, those expectations and everything. Uh, I feel like mine's incredibly different than yours because I... We knew it. It's true. We were planning this, and we knew it. (laughs) I feel like I grew up in, in what you would call a Christian home, right? How many people would say, like, yeah, that was kind of standard... I don't know about you, but, like, when I was told, like, give your life to to Jesus, give your heart to Jesus, like, it was kind of like, yeah, and all these amazing things came with it. But I, I like, looked at all the people who were, like, giving me the sales pitch when I was younger, and I was like, yeah, I don't see that in your life, so. (laughs) Like, yeah, everything's supposed to be great. How come your life's not great? Like, no, and, I, and I, I kid you not, I'm not trying to be over the top or, or, or ridiculous, but that is literally how my brain worked at, like, six or seven. Um, and so I, I would say that, like, I... Smart. Smart. No, smart. I'm not smart. I'm just, like, I, I ask a lot of questions. He was anointed <laughs> from the womb. <laughs> no, but everybody was just like, yo, like, just follow Jesus. Things are going to be great. And I'm just like, okay. Well, you say Jesus is right next to me, but man, I've never felt him. You say that, like, he gives us peace that passes all understanding. But gosh, I'm a really neurotic kid who's really fearful and has a lot of anxiety. And does anybody, can anybody relate to that? Like, and people are like, oh, he's just going to give it to you. Like, he wants to give it to you. Then I'm like, why hasn't he given it to me? And I don't know if anybody else felt this, but I always felt like it was my fault. And so everybody, everybody went, well, you just got to believe more. And you just got to, you know, trust more. You just got to accept more. And again, I'm really young, and I'm asking a lot of questions. And it was just kind of like super black or white. And so when I kind of came to Jesus, in some ways it was like fire insurance. I was like, I just don't want to go to hell. That's real. That's real. Like, anybody? Like, I mean, the way that they talked about it, I was like, I am not going there. I don't want any part of that. I, <laughs> turn and burn, man. <laughs> turn and burn. But I think, I think like, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to accurately describe this because I think there's a lot of people that maybe you're thinking like me, but your, your journey and my journey are not the same at all. But everything that you've heard about Jesus, everything that you've heard about Christianity is you just got to do more. You just got to believe more. You got to be better. You got to do better. 
And I think what I, what, what I realized when I finally met Jesus was, that's what everybody's been saying about Jesus. That's not who he is at all. I don't know if we're about to get into that in this next question, are we? Okay, I'm not trying to jump the gun. Do you, man? Yeah. <laughs> but that is not, like, and, and I think I've always had, and it's funny that I work at a church and I'm a worship pastor, and people are like, well, you look like you belong here and you've been here forever. I, I have literally looked at a mentor and I go, I have no problem with Jesus. I pretty much have never had any problem with Jesus. Can you guys guess who I normally have a problem with? You. And normally you're sitting there and I go, yeah, Jesus sounds pretty dope, but I can't seem to get over the people that seem to represent him or the people that say, this is what he wants. This is what he says. And I realized I just led you all in worship and I was saying, this is what he wants and this is what he says. The irony is not lost on me at all. When I was called to worship, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it, it was, it, it was, I was told you just got to be better. You got to do better. So I was that kid that just tried to do everything well, tried not to make any waves, tried to be the good little soldier in my family, tried not to embarrass anybody. And I realized that that's not what God has called us to be. And I realized that that's not his heart. And it took a while because when I became a father, I went, ah, oh, that's the father's heart. Ooh. So we'll probably get into a, the, the flip side. Go for that's it. Good. No, dang, man. You always be bringing us to church. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, so even talking about all these expectations and stuff like that, what do you have a story or tell a story or a time where, you know, that expectation was different or it fulfilled, you know, kind of what you just talked about? Yeah, for me, um, Few of you probably, you know, heard my story. We've been joking about it all Plain day. Pure Plain pure paper. Come on. <laughs> but that's my story, you know. So for people who don't know, I mean, I, I gave my life to Christ. I've always known God. I've always had, I thought, a relationship with Jesus. I was raised in the church, um, but I wasn't. Um, I didn't come to the understanding of relationship until 2014. Um, that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so coming here for the first time in December 2014, Pastor Dennis blew me away. There's this tall guy who I can't really put my finger on who's singing worship, finally clicked, Montel. And it was like, wow, like I've never experienced church like this. I've never heard anyone speak about the word of God in this way. Church has always been boring for me and pews, sitting in the back with my brothers, laughing, right. <laughs> having guest pastors call us out in the back. My grandma heated because it's her grandchildren that's acting up, you know? So coming here in 2014, a lot of situations happened, and I gave my life to Christ on January 2nd, 2015, on a plane coming back to Atlanta. And so that fire came. I was ready because I had nothing else to turn to. And I was reminded by my grandmother, and, and she passed in 2009, but she always said, when you don't know where to go, turn to God. And so that's what I did. 
And one thing I started to understand is I was having a relationship with God through other people, through my pastors, through my grandparents. But I wanted to, to have this thing for myself. So first thing I did was started reading. I started coming to church. And so I'm thinking that because I made that commitment that my roots are deep, but I was just sitting on concrete. Like the seed was growing, but it didn't take root into the, into the ground. So what was happening is three months into my relationship with Christ, I started saying, hey, I'm good. I can start doing certain things because being in the house and reading the word all day is getting quite boring. I need community. Yeah. I like females, so community is key for me. And so through all of that, um, I jumped back into sin um, and, and was beating myself up. And then so from that, I was hooked on to other people relationally in ways that I shouldn't have been. And the result of that was other things that started happening in my life. So by being in that cycle, in that pattern of my life, and then I started going into uh, another season of my life where family members started dying. And I, I kid you not, for the men who was walking through life with, with me in 2015, every month I had a family member die. Probably two in one month. And it was happening every single month. And for me, because I wasn't rooted, I'm thinking, well, this is happening because I'm sinning. God is punishing me, taking away my family because of the things that I'm doing. But I'm also saying I don't know how to stop. So through all of these things where, you know, sexual sin, uh, death that was happening in my family, uh, relationships of people that I was tied to, thinking that I could still go to the club and go to church, I had to stop. But I didn't know how. And, and so I was living a double life because my thing was, because I really wasn't rooted, I thought as long as I continue to go to church, I can do what I need to do. I can do what I want to do. As long as I can obtain that um, and, and, and continue to do it. So yeah, Saturday I was in Compound, 9 o'clock I was here on a Sunday. <laughs> Leaving hotels, five, six o'clock in the morning, trying to come back home to get dressed to get ready for the nine o'clock. And I thought I was doing it well. And I wasn't. I wasn't truly rooted in, 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 in the seeds that was being planted here by victory, by fusion, by the people that was in leadership, because there were rocks getting in the way of that. So what about you guys? What's your story? I grew up playing a lot of, a lot of basketball, um, a, lot of, a lot of girls, a lot of teams, you know, traveling, all that good stuff. Um, and, you know, before each game, there will always be someone, you know, let's, let's pray because, you know, we, we're trying to win. You know, we want, we want God on our side. Okay. And so, yeah, of course, God loves basketball. Jesus loves us. It's great. So, you know, someone will lead the prayer or whatever, and then, you know, right after the games, if we win, everybody want to celebrate. And this is in high school. I'm a freshman, okay? And so I'm with all these seniors or whatever. And one thing I realized is, like, you know, one minute you're like, yeah, I want to do the Lord's Prayer. Next thing you know, I want to go and, and party and drink. 
And um, it was crazy to me because I'd be like, didn't you just pray? You know, whatever. But I mean, that's, that's just how it was. And it, it quickly, quickly showed me that just because you say you're a Christian or just because you pray some prayer doesn't mean that you're, you know, a devoted Christian. Um, which, which quickly, you know, I thought that I was good going into high school. You know, I gave my life to Christ. Like I told you guys, I gave my life to Christ. I'm good. You know, I can hang around these girls and be good. And next thing you know, <laughs> your girls in the parties too, you know, and, 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 and drinking and all this stuff and knowing in the back of my mind that something wasn't right. And um, so I, I just continued to do that for, I don't even know, maybe three, four years and then realizing that enough is enough. And I actually um, really gave my life to Christ at a Eddie James concert. Do y'all know, anybody know Eddie James? Eddie James? All right, James. cool, yeah, yeah, Eddie James, because you know, they had the other the kids up here and they were telling their stories and I was like, I need to go, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, and, I, and then in that moment I was like, all right, I'm done, like I'm doing this for real. But even then, like, I can't just do this for me. Like, I'm doing these for the girls that I'm playing ball with, too. Um, and it's not me just, you know, throwing God down their shirt or Jesus down their throat or whatever. It's me just loving them. Um, and, and being like, you know, some of you guys know Jeannie Mayo, but she says uh, Jesus with skin on. Um, and so that's just a little bit of, of what I kind of faced when it came to my expectation of like, all right, this is the real world, okay? This is not Disneyland where everybody's in your face smiling. Um, and I've never been to Disneyland. I just heard about it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so great. So, so, yeah, that's me. Mine's actually very similar to Tay's. Um, so I got, I came to Christ, gosh, I was like in fourth grade maybe at a summer camp, good times. Um, and really, like, really, things were fine until I got to high school, because high school is when everyone changes and wants to do crazy things. And through this period, like, I didn't realize how insecure I still was. And I didn't know how to combat those thoughts, combat those feelings. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I still have my insecurities today, but at least I know what to do when they come up. And so for me then, like my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I, I, you know, tried to do my best, go to church, still had like my group of friends, and I'm from the north, and so it's nothing like the Bible Belt. You rarely go to school with any Christians. I mean, I was probably, I'd see like one kid, I'd be like, hey, you go to church with me. That's it. And all the other kids, they're like, I have to go to confirmation class. And I'm like, no, no, no. And so all my friends, they were not a part of that world. And they knew me. They were like, Riley, she's the goody two-shoes. But she's fun. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and eventually, you know, being called a goody two-shoes, I was like, that's getting really annoying. Like, you can stop now, please. And to me, hearing that, it was like, is there just something not cool about me? Is there something that, is it wrong? Like, you guys are all doing this stuff. You're saying all these words, curse words, other words, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're whispering to me what they mean, and I'm like, stop. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so going into my junior and senior year, I was like, oh, I want to be cool, and I, I want to feel almost valued. I want to feel like I'm a part of a crowd, and I fit in, and 
So I got my first job when I was 16, made some friends with girls that didn't go to high school with me, but they went to our rival schools and some schools nearby. And I knew right off the bat, I was like, these girls are partiers. Hmm, but they're nice. So started hanging out with them more. I kind of put my other friend group aside because they were totally okay with me being a Christian, going to church, all that stuff. Like my best friend, she wasn't necessarily her family wasn't Christian, but she, she was like, you're cool. I like you. And I got to talk to her a lot, but basically kind of shoved her to the side. I was like, I'm going to hang out with these friends and started doing what they were doing. I even remember the day where I went up to her. I was like, I want to drink. And they were like, what? And I was like, I know. <laughs> and <laughs> I know. <laughs> because I knew, I knew who I was and what people thought of me. And so I was like, I want to be cool. I want to be liked. So basically that turned into my rebellious phase. I lied to my parents a ton because they, I mean, my family's amazing. I have great parents, great siblings, and basically lied to them for a year saying that I was going one place. I'd leave my phone because, you know, find my iPhone. My mom was looking where I was all the time. Leave it there. Leave. Go to where I wanted to go and then come back. And so dedication. Yeah, we ain't. I, Good thing we're not in the capital. I wouldn't share that if we were at the capital. <laughs> anyway, I thought through this because I, but I wanted so desperately to be liked and to do, why are you laughing still? That's rude. <laughs> Anywho, so, <laughs> so I, the whole time too, like I knew this wasn't right something to me because I would go to I'd go to youth group on Wednesday nights I'd go to church on Sundays with my parents but Friday and Saturday what was I doing (laughs) that's not how we do it in Wisconsin (laughs) so I need to speed up anyway so um I remember when this kind of this moment ended for me and like I just knew I had a feeling my mom knew that I've been lying to them because she says Holy Spirit talks to her and all that stuff. (laughs) And so my graduation night, I, it was a bad night. Let's just say that. And I literally, I get home, not home, but to my friend's house, my mom, she's like, I know you're not where you're supposed to be. You've been lying to us, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk when you get home tomorrow. And that's terrifying, guys. That's terrifying. (laughs) terrifying and like in that moment for me too and then also my best friend she texted me was like I don't know who you are anymore this is not who you are and if you're going to continue to act like this I can't be in your life and that was people who know me know if anyone's disappointed in me oh my gosh I I just my heart breaks and so for me that moment was Why am I trying to be someone I'm not? And I didn't realize these insecurities and these things that I just didn't know how to combat with the word of God and prayer and wise people around me. It just tumbled and my parents were like, we don't know who you are. You're grounded. You can't have your graduation. Like all these things and it was awful. It was so bad and I just felt this small and like I let everybody in the world down. And luckily... I was leaving the North to move to Georgia after that, but I was able to rededicate my life at a summer camp before that, but man, those insecurities, they get to you so bad if you don't know how to handle them. 
because you turn into somebody who you're not. And so that was really what that looked like for me when it came to, I don't know, that trial. It took a while to get there, but it happened. I need somebody to repeat the question to me. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like Sorry. such a loser right now. Your story. Yeah, a story of how your expectation like differed in your life. So maybe you had your expectation, but how did it either differ or how was it fulfilled? Grace for it. Goddard, guys. Grace for Goddard. Got it. I, sorry, I get like hazy after I leave worship. I'm just tired. No, I, I would say like I jump right back on like where I left off. Like again, I was pursuing, was pursuing Jesus. I was going, hey man, like if this is the real deal, then I'm all in. But it doesn't seem like there's a lot of um, similarities. I was very similar to Riley, like so insecure, <laughs> just really insecure. Still am, guys. Like, let's just be full-fledged honest. Like, really neurotic at times, very insecure. Um, but I, I will say this. Uh, really, things began to change when I feel like I received the Holy Spirit. Because again, most of my Christianity, most of my walk, most of that ground was pretty shallow. It was like, okay, cool. Like, let me read, let me pray, let me hang out with, you know, Christian good people. And, um, you know, when I, when I kind of understood heaven's real, what am I doing? What am I, li- am I living for, this earth or am I living for heaven? Okay, who does Jesus want in heaven? He wants everybody. Oh man, I gotta be about everybody. Does that make sense? And then, and, but it was like, just as I, as I began to, to follow him, certain things began to change, but it wasn't until I really like accepted and received the Holy Spirit. And I just wanna, again, I feel like I'm totally tangenting, but this is kinda, I guess it's the flip side of the coin. I don't want anybody to feel like you gotta work for the Holy Spirit. That's how I felt. You know, people would be like praying. And, and again, I think some of you guys have heard my story. There's a lot of new faces, by the way. I'm super glad you're here. Um, I've shared my story once or twice. Um, so if you don't know, then, then that's totally fine. I, I was diagnosed with, with a neurological disorder. So I was also a kid who was growing up with tons of pain and like looking at someone and be like, are you tired right now? Like, no, I feel great. And I'm looking around and I'm like, why does everybody like, why am I so tired? Why do my legs hurt so bad? Why am I going through this thing? And so everything was like not, um, everything was different and, 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 and not the same as most other people that I was seeing. And so anyway, um, I'll maybe get to that in, in a little bit, but I just felt like, oh, okay, I'm not healed because of something that I haven't done. Or I don't have the power of God or the peace that passes all understanding or the fullness of God because I'm not doing something right or I'm doing something wrong. And so, like, real talk, y'all. Like, I wasn't the guy that, like, wild out. I just wanted truth. And, and so I did pursue Jesus for that one reason. I was like, all right, I'm, if I, I would really love to, to prove this right, but I, secretly I was like, I'd really love to prove this wrong so I can actually go wild out with no remorse. For real, with no remorse. And so, but it wasn't until like we're talking about the ground that it's like stuff springs up quickly, but there's no depth. I feel what added depth to my life was the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going, God, thank you for, for, for making me new and, and filling me up and, and helping me to step into a new life. And you know, Jesus says, you have to be born again. 
Like, you, we literally came out one womb already, y'all. Like, but we have to be completely born again. And so once I was born again, certain things changed. Once I stepped into a life with Jesus, certain things changed. But again, I still walked around, and I was like, dude, this, this is not as good as y'all are saying it is. For real. And, like, hear this from the guy that literally just led you guys in worship. I've come a long way, okay? I've come a long way. And it wouldn't have been possible without the Holy Spirit helping those roots to go deep and, and to, in a sense, change the soil. I think a lot of our prayers should be, God, make me good ground. Does it, do you guys hear that tonight? Like, make me good ground. And it's not, God, the prayer is not, God, make me better. It's make me different. Make <laughs> change me. Otherwise, I'm just still the same neurotic guy that's walking around here. Like, change me. Make me good ground. And until I, until I could hear a different voice than my own, until I received the Holy Spirit, and guess what? I did nothing to work for it. I did nothing to earn it. I was pursuing God with everything that I had in me. I was going, God, I'm going to be in your word. God, I'm going to be surrounded by people that love you. I want everything that you have. And there's this ever-elusive Holy Spirit that I just can't seem to get to. That'll come if I follow you, seek me and my kingdom, and everything else will be added to you. Amen? That was my experience. Awesome. <laughs> so there's something that, people have said is God blesses you through the blessings and God grows you in the trials. So in those moments and in those seasons, what did you learn and where did you grow in those trials or after those trials? Uh, for me, um, you know, the top two again was just uh, the sin uh, and um, death. And I really couldn't understand for a while of why people were just dying left and right in my life. And, you know, it, it took a moment where um, I grew numb to death. Like, I remember one of my brothers texting me and saying, you know, he knew about the situation and he said, how you feel? And the only words that I could say was numb. And I did not want to be in a place where I would be numb to people leaving this earth. I didn't want to be numb to the fact that um, I couldn't mourn. And so it was just a timely piece where um, Pastor Johnson preached a message around that 2015, 2016 time on about uh, death and about how to mourn and how important those things are. And so even when we talk about growing in that and how I grew, um, I'm still growing in that now. Um, so even as I submit my, uh, my purity to the Lord. I want to make sure that I'm continuing to grow in that and not just say, oh, I haven't done anything in five years. No, I want to continually surrender that to the Lord and allow it to be new every day. Because the piece that I've learned was I was trying, I was looking at um, everything ahead. I was like, okay, the goal of me to, to be sexually pure uh, I needed to have that down packed so I can do it for the time I get married. 
But what God was showing me in that was take it one day at a time. Don't look at six months. Okay, I got six months down, and then six months down, and then I fall again, and then I got to start all over. One day at a time. And as I went to one day, to two days, to a month, to two months, now almost five years, one day at a time. And when it came down to death, it was the parts of God was growing me because he wanted me to minister to people in a way of how to handle death. Things from suicide, things from car accidents, things from children dying, miscarriages. All these different things were just happening in my family, and I couldn't understand why. But I really had to get in relationship with God, and, and you know, it was that breaking moment of crying on the floor, and God, why did you do this, and why is this going on in my life? And so he wanted me to have time with him so we can unpack it together. And I think a lot of times we, we get in these spaces of in these rocky moments, and we're thinking we're still going to grow. We're thinking, okay, all the rocks is here, the seed is planted, okay, it's just, I'm just dealing with this, but how are you unpacking that with the Lord? Are you allowing the Lord to come in your situation and allow himself to remove those rocks, right, and, and start to start allowing the seed to go even deeper? Because we're, we're getting good seed, it's just the ground. So as we're even talking about this parable, it deals with the things that are surrounded in that, in that ground. We all have the potential to have good soil, but what are we doing to allow good soil to cultivate? So for me, it was the, the, the sex piece and then also um, the death. And, and how I had to grow through that was really surrendering that to the Lord and allowing him to come into my mess and clean it up instead of me trying to clean it up myself. So the question is, in the trials, how did it grow you? And what did you, gotcha. or what did you learn? Okay, gotcha. and what did I'm you here. learn? I'm here. I honestly, hmm, I want to be real. I want to be real. Okay, so I honestly, I feel like I'm still, still in my trial. Um, you know, Almost a year ago, or a little over a year ago, actually, uh, I stood on this stage and I was like, hey, Fusion, you know, hey, ladies, you know, whatever, when they were introducing me as um, being on staff here with Fusion. And I feel like there has been a target on my back ever since I, I stood on this stage. Um, I, I tell people um, all the time that this has been one of the hardest seasons in my life, um, like Erskine from death. Um, and, and dealing with that for the first time and not even knowing all the things that it brings up um, from even being molested as a kid and all the things that come with that uh, and not even not telling anybody about it until 19, 20 years later. Um, and so I think for me, um, gosh, and today, if I'm being real, today was a hard day. Um, I struggled with some depression um, even some anxiety at times, and today was tough. Because, I mean, again, I, I'm a girl who I'm not really emotional. Or, okay, I'll take that back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't express my emotions a lot. Um, I had to grow up pretty fast. 
um, having a younger brother. You know, my parents were great. I don't, you know, mom, if you ever see this, I love you. Um, my parents were Shout great, out. you know, uh, but. <laughs> what? Shout out. Oh. <laughs> um, but, you know, when, when all of the sexual trauma was going on, you know, I, I, I let it go because I didn't want anything to happen to my little brother. Um, and so that, that brought that um, protection mentality um, on top of me. And so, man, I, to answer that question, I feel like I'm still in my trial. But one thing that I'm learning is that um, God wants to take me to new levels. Uh, in order for me to do that, I have to open up some closets and clean it out. Um, because I can't, I can't continue to progress if I'm not taking care of this mess that the enemy is trying to hold me down with. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, as hard as it is, as, as tough as it is, is times I don't wanna get up, times I don't wanna go to counseling, times I don't wanna talk to you guys. I mean, like, <laughs> just being honest. Um, but at the same time, it's not about me. And that's where I'm at is I'm not doing this just for me. I'm doing this for the people that I'm leading. I'm doing this for my brother. I'm, I'm doing this for my family because there's a lot of people that's in my family that don't know Christ. And so they're seeing, well, how is Tay going to respond after her grandmother passing away? You know, or how is Tay going to respond after telling the whole family that she was molested as a little girl? And not saying that, you know, I've done everything perfect or I haven't had meltdowns because I just had one and it was horrible. <laughs> but it was good. You know, and in, that, in those moments, I realized that I have to have people beside me to, to encourage me, to help me, to push me, because we're not called to do this alone. Even when picking up our own crosses, you know, Jesus had to have someone help him at, at, at a point in time because it was too heavy, you know, and, and uh, yeah. And so just, just in that, gosh, I, I want to even talk to some of you, like, Maybe you are going through some, through some stuff right now, or you, maybe you're just like, God, you know, I want to go to this place, or I want to be elevated here, or I want to do this. But maybe you forgot God asked you, what about forgiving that person? Or what about cleaning out that closet from way back when? Or what about talking to this person to help them um, to get some freedom? Um, because God, really, God is looking for our obedience. That's it. He, he never blesses us without a command first. Um, and that's something that I had to learn in myself. It's like we ask for something and God's like, all right, well, what about this? You know, before the 5,000 were fed, he had them all sit down. And once they sat down, then he was able to, here you go, you can get some fish, you can get some bread, you can, you know, blessing them. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that for me, um, I'm still in my trial, but at the same time, it's like the one thing that I'm learning is that I got to I got to clean out some closets and I got to, um, you know, do the right thing so that I can be the best that I can be. Um, I'm here to serve. I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. I'm a pastor of Victory World Church, but I'm also human. Um, and I, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Um, gosh, so I think back to these times and it feels like so long ago sometimes and I'm like, oh, it kind of feels like yesterday when all this happened. Uh, so 
I mean, I've only lived in Georgia for four and a half years, so we literally moved right after I graduated. So as soon as I had that moment with my parents and they found out about my lying and everything, they were like, you can't talk to those friends anymore. You can't hang out with them. And I was like, but why? They're my friends, thinking like they really cared about me and what I was doing was okay. And um, and so I kind of, I, I kept talking to them and I remember my, so we moved here and then I did ALC. So you don't know what that is. It's a college here at Victory. And um, I got myself around some really great people and got to see what it was like to have friendships that were healthy and girls that actually cared about me and pushed me closer to Christ. And I remember, gosh, it was like the first week of school. And God was like, you need to cut those friends off. And we were all in a group chat. They were still talking about crazy stuff that happened over the weekend. And I was engaging in it, saying things that maybe I shouldn't have been still because I was still a part of that friendship, that relationship. And God was like, you need to, you need to cut them off. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm scared. <laughs> because people get such bad taste in their mouth from Christians sometimes, especially when you cut them off and act, not act like, but to them, and especially when this happened, they thought I was acting like I was better than them. And I remember I sent a message in our group chat basically saying like, it's, it has nothing to do with you guys, but I need to be in a place around people that are like-minded so I can grow and get better. And staying in that same group around that same pattern, those same cycles was just not healthy for me. I needed to get rid of that completely and I sent the text and then deleted the group chat. So I don't even know what their responses were. And I remember a couple weeks later, one of my friends back in Wisconsin, she texted me and she was like, hey, did you see so-and-so's tweet? And I was like, no, I deleted my Twitter. And <laughs> I don't like Twitter, it's, I don't know. Anyway, so I was like, no, she screenshotted it to me. And this was one of the girls in the group chat. She said, LOL, when you get traded for God. And I cried a little bit. And <laughs> because to me, a I was lot. like. You cried a lot. Stop playing him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She cried. <laughs> she lying. <laughs> yeah, I, I show my emotions. <laughs> If I cry, yeah. Sometimes they're happy tears. This, these were sad tears. And I felt like, I was like, God, did I do the right thing? Like, they're mad at me now. They're going to be mad at you, you know? And I had to remind myself, I was like, no, this was good. I grew. Like, once I obeyed God and removed myself from that group chat, those roots, they went deeper. I grew. And I knew who I, who I was and the fun thing is, like, the way God works and when you're obedient, there's fruit. And a couple months later, that same girl who tweeted texted me and said, hey, I apologize for what I tweeted. I'm actually a little jealous and insecure because you are such a good person and you're doing these amazing things for God and I just wish you the best and, you know, I really am sorry for what happened. And I was like... Oh, I did not expect that. I literally forgot about it. I, I moved on, and to me, that was like God saying, no, that, that was good. And there was influence in that decision. And when we 
gosh, it's one of those things where, you know, when we're Christians, we want to help the lost. We want to go out and have friends that aren't Christians because the way we love brings them to Christ. But also in those beginning stages where you're still learning and you're still trying to understand, you need people that keep you healthy and allow you to ask questions and learn. And that was that moment for me. And gosh, I can only imagine where my life would be if I didn't leave that group chat, if I didn't cut those friends off and not move to Georgia. Lord knows I would not be here. I would not be married. And it would just, it would be nuts. And it was just, when she texted me, it was one of those things where God was like, you know, you, you have influence, and that choice was influential, more influential than if you would have stayed in that chat. Because I think, as Christians, if we stay in those groups, stay in those patterns, stay having those same conversations that we know we shouldn't be having, that's not showing Christ. We may think that it is because we go to church and we're helping those who aren't. It's, it's not showing who God is. And so that was like a huge lesson for me that I didn't want to do but I did, and there was that fruit, that growth happened, and not even in me and in her, and she said that. It doesn't just affect us, it affects everyone around us, and yeah, I think that was it. <laughs> you guys heard me say earlier that I was diagnosed with a, with a neurological disease about close to 10 years ago. Uh, my earliest memory, so I found out about that and I had like, here's what it is or here's what we call it at 22, but my earliest memory was three years old, like literally like army crawling on the floor because my legs couldn't hold me and like cry, my mom was not at home, but like crying to my dad, like please make me feel better, like I have no idea what's happening right now and, and, and just like rubbing my legs and for 22 years, it was literally like, come on, God, what are you doing? Like, no one else has that. No one else has this. Like, why am I like the ugly duckling over here that's just like has to sit in the corner and like feel pain? <laughs> um, and, and I think for me, it was also weird because it wasn't like an external pain that was like done to me. It was literally like, I haven't done anything. Why? Like, I'm literally trying to be good over here. Why? And I would say the, you know, like, I can't pinpoint a season of my life because, spoiler alert, I still am in pain every single day. Still in pain every single day. Um, but that has really grown me. I remember, uh, I'll sound really spirit, I'll sound super spiritual if I say like I had a vision. So I'll just say I had a daydream because it really felt like a daydream. I don't you want anybody to think that. <laughs> super neurotic, guys. Just, okay. But I remember I had like a, a moment, I think we were traveling, uh, we were doing some services and stuff, we were traveling together, and I closed my eyes in this van. And um, I had just, like, been drawing before, and I sketched what kind of turned into, like, a desert. Um, and so it was just, like, all these, like, cracks and little crevices. But all it was was just dirt. It was barren. It did not look beautiful. I'm not much of an artist either. So I'm just whatever. And I'm just, like, you know, 
well, that's where we were. We were in Arizona, so that's why I was doing that. Um, and so I'm sketching this and whatever, and then I just was like, I'm tired, let me fall asleep. And I just, I saw this. Uh, I literally envisioned what I had just drew. And I saw this, like, y'all ever seen, like, cartoons, like the Tasmanian devil kind of deal? Like, right? I saw this, like, this thing, like, whipping in the wind, and all of a sudden it came to, like, a certain point, and it just began to pick up dust and pick up dirt from all of these cracks and crevices. And I just very clearly heard the Lord say, you can find me even in nothing. I'm here even in nothing. I can create anything from anyone and anything. You can find me in nothing. And um, as, we, as I was listening to you guys' this answer, and obviously we're talking about the parable, um, I, I wrote a song several years ago, and I think it's pretty, what? <laughs> Sing it. I'm not singing it, no. Sing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Sing it. Oh, man. <laughs> he said, he said that up. Yeah, I wrote a song. I of your love, but I will dive as deep as I am able, able. I may never know the depths of your love, but I will dive. And I will try. I feel super weird now. Woo! Dive deep, get it on iTunes, Spotify, James Goddard to get that heat. Hey, all right. I get like .0001 cent from that plug, but I appreciate it. That's great. Support your local artists, my friends. Gosh, we get nothing. Okay. So I'm just talking gonna stream about, that. We're just going to stream it. Yeah, we ain't going to pay for I'm it. I'm talking about, you know, really dealing with disease and pain and chronic things over the years that really shaped me. And I remember uh, reading a book and, and getting back to this passage where Paul says, like, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, right, would understand all these different things. And, and so, so the, the imagery was like, I pray that you would understand the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of the love of God, right? And so you see all these different scriptures in the Psalms where David's like, your love is endless and different things like that. And it was literally like, God's love is endless. Like there's literally no bottom. And so that song was birthed from, those tissues were for me, thank you, by the way, and they're not here anymore, I'm sorry. Hey, teamwork. All right. Thank you. You stopped it. All right. That song was birthed from, God, I feel so alone and I feel so trapped. I know that you love me. And you're, you say that your, your, your love is endless. So that song was truly birthed out of, I'm going to spend my whole life trying to find the bottom. I sure hope I never find the bottom. And it's really his love that has shaped me. And I want, I want you guys to hear this, and this might feel like a little bit of a tangent, but it's really easy to let the ground that you are now define who you become. 
I was shallow ground. I was not good. My roots were not deep. But I made a choice and said, God, I will let my roots go down to your love. I will. I sang it for you, and it was a little bit of a joke. But the words are, I may never know the depths of your love. I may never get it. I may never understand it. I may never be able to make heads or tails. That's all the questioning. That's the alone. That's the, I have never been able to make sense of any of this. I may never know the depths of your love, but I will dive as deep as I physically can. So I will let my roots go down into your love, not into religion, not into works, not into who I kind of want to be or feel like I should be, but I will let it go deep into the love of God. And when you go, hey, I'm going to go as deep as I can, I think that God changes you. And, that, sh- and, that, and that, that ground begins to shift and change. And it's cultivated into something different. And I just want you guys to, to, to hear that. Like, who you are now, you don't even have to be the same person tomorrow. Like, I said this at the beginning of worship. Tonight's the night. You know, maybe some of y'all are like, man, I came for a word. I didn't get a word. Well, you got a conversation. And you're, you got in, no, for real. You're being invited into a group of people that go, we don't have all the answers and we mess up a lot. But the one thing that we absolutely desperately know and desperately care about is the love of Jesus. You don't have to believe to belong. You don't. You can come with your questions. You can come with your pain. We've all said that we've got it. We all have questions and we all have pain. And you don't have to stay where you're at. Does that make sense? Do you guys hear me? This is probably like the dad in me coming out right now. I don't want anybody to leave this place going, well, I feel different than the way I came. Every single Tuesday, we pray, God, I pray that, that people would leave differently than when they came in. That's our prayer for you. Man, I hope that that's your prayer for you. God, today, I want to be different than who I was yesterday. Make me good ground. Make me good ground to receive what it is that you have uh, for me. And I want to be, be cognizant of time. And I get to ask this question now. Um, to all of us. Uh, obviously, we're talking about a parable that was given to us by Jesus. This is kind of just a metaphor and some imagery. We're not following a parable. We're following Jesus, right? And Jesus said, to follow me, you got to take up your cross, and you got to follow me. And so using that imagery, when carrying your cross, I don't know why I keep looking over here, sorry. When carrying our crosses, What's something that's kept us going? What do you have to say to yourself? What do you have to pray over yourself? What do you ask Jesus to reveal again and again and again? What keeps you guys going? Um, For me, um, I had to really learn how to live out Scripture. I think we talk about it all the time of being hearers of the Word, but being doers of the Word. And around the time of all these hardships, circumstances, situations that was happening, um, God, like, literally, I, and I heard people say, you know, one day I was, had the Bible here, and it just opened up to this scripture. And I had a moment where a scripture just came across my phone. 
and it wasn't like the scripture of the day, or I was already reading in that chapter, and it was James. It was James 1. Man, that's why. But man, what it really spoke to in James 1, it talks about, you know, you're going to get tested and trialed in many different ways. And in that, it's an opportunity for endurance to grow. And it says, let it grow. And when you get fully pushed in that way of the endurance has built up in you, you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so I didn't know what those trials and circumstances would look like in my life, but it I had to take it because I was an athlete. I, I played football all my life. So even from the endurance aspect of the training, the camps that I attend, uh, weight training, all these different things was to build something in the inside of me. When game day came, I was able to perform and also perform in excellence. So in the same way of working that spiritual muscle with the endurance that was building in me to grow, I had to allow it to grow. Riley talked about it. God blesses us with blessings, but he grows us through trials and circumstances. That's the only way to become a disciple. So as those things was building something in the inside of me, I started to see things differently. The, the sin that was in my life started to fall because I was allowing him to do what he said he wanted to do in my life to be free, completely free, lacking in nothing. And so for me, it was a time where as I'd done those things and I put those things in place, I was able to communicate in a way to my family, to my friends. I remember doing two funerals of my cousins. One was uh, murdered by a guy and another uh, overdose. And, and for me to stand there and look at my family and, and to communicate the love of God in that kind of atmosphere, that came from the endurance that was building up in the inside of me, and I allowed it to grow. And so I encourage you, take that scripture uh, in a way where you can be a doer of James 1. Allow these different things that's happening in your life. It's not God punishing you. When he does those things, he's calling you higher. He wants to build something in your spirit, man, so you can be in a place to to not withstand it. Like, I look at it as, I had this image today, and I thought it was for worship or whatever, but I saw a beach, and I was seeing uh, water hitting the sand, and that sand moved and uh, just got pulled into the water and just shifted and moved and all kind of things. But then he also showed me a rock. As a rock is on the beach with sand, the rock is not moving. And as we put our faith and our hope in Christ Jesus, that's what it looks like to live in his, uh, in his life with with Christ Jesus. So we're not moving because our foundation is, is rooted in him. And so when we understand that rock and that, that peace, that seed can go down to grow and hit root to where it's not going to withstand anything. So whatever waves come your way, you won't wither. You won't move. You won't shift. You won't get pulled into those, those waters. You will sit strong like a rock. So that's what um, one thing that I was able to kind of move in that. Uh, one thing that kept me going, uh, I kind of already alluded to it, but my second year, I also went to ALC, actually with Riley. Um, <laughs> but one thing that kept me going was uh, remembering that it's not about me. 
Um, I do what I do for other people. Um, because, you know, I want to go to heaven. And I know I'm going to heaven. But I don't want to go alone. You know, I want some people to come with me. I want people to follow me. Um, and not, again, it's not about me. It's about him. Um, but, but in that, it's like... Um, I, I know that this is what I'm called to do. And sometimes I used to fight it. I used to be like, man, God, why can't I just go to a party and, and be cool and be chilling? But I'm in the corner like, God's like, oh, get out of there. Oh, there go a little demon. Oh, there go. And I'm like, all right, time to go. You know, and I, I used to be upset because it's like everybody's having a good time. You ain't speaking to nobody else. Why are you speaking to me? You know, I don't get it. You know, unless they're ignoring you. But, I mean, you like screaming in my ear. Like, I can't. But, I mean, it, again, like, I think, not that I was better than any of those people. Um, I, I don't know. I, just the call that God, God placed on my life. Um, I always, not I always, I don't want to say always. That's a really big word. But most times I, um, I'm thinking of, of who's watching or um, am I being an example of, of what Jesus is and was. Um, because if, if I'm not, then what I'm doing is wrong. And again, I'm not perfect. Uh, my best friend is in here, and she knows your girl be wilding out sometimes. Um, yeah, she wanted me to shout her out. There she goes. Wave your hand in there, Christina. Wave your hand. Hey, Christina. Yeah, she. Hey, Christina. She was, can you say my name? You know, so there you go. <laughs> I'm about to no, say it. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, okay, so, so yeah, that's one thing that kept me going is just um, remembering that it's not about me. Um, obviously, the Lord is, gets the most praise and, and glory, um, and then I, I found uh, one of the last letters that my grandma wrote me, and the last sentence, it said, um, I want you to keep going, keep fighting, and don't look back, and it said, love you, G-mom. And um, I got it tatted on my, on my arm to remind me to keep going, keep fighting, uh, because that's what she instilled in me. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> um, mine's very similar to Tay's again. Uh, <laughs> uh, so for me, what kept me going absolutely were people in my family knowing that the decisions that I make and what I choose to do doesn't affect just me. It affects my family, my current family, my future family. It affects my future in general, where I go in life. And that was something that at that moment, at that breaking point for me was, I don't want to compromise this. People mean too much to me. My mom said from an early age that I've always had a big heart, so I cry a lot. It's true. But it's, it's people. I can't make these decisions that are wrong knowing that I'm taking people down with me, knowing that I am hindering my future family, my current family. That was something that I was like, no, that is not okay with me. And so that's what's even kept me going till now and will keep me going forever. And I just don't want to be the reason that people don't go to heaven. And that's just not something I'm okay with. So people, absolutely, 100%. I think something, yeah, clap it up. Uh, I think for me, the biggest thing that I tell myself 
is it's going to be worth it. And maybe that doesn't sound super profound to you, but for a guy who struggles to get out of bed every morning, I have to tell myself that. It's going to be worth it. And uh, something, something, a passage that, that, that has had to inform how I live and how I think about faith and um, how, I, how I go, I'm going to have faith without being fake. Some of y'all think that fake equals faith. It's not. For real. You can think about that on the way home. Um, there's, a, there's a passage in, in Hebrews where it, it's this hall of faith, right? I, I spoke a little while ago about faith for the future, walking by faith. And it, and it just describes all these people who, who are living by faith, and it's by faith Noah, by faith, all these different things. And they did this, and they did this, and they did this. And it literally says they were strangers in their own land. And the, the, the thing that, like, haunts me is it, is it says this about the people who lived by faith. That's, that, that believe for more than they saw, believe for more than they know. It says, the world was not worthy of them. That's what keeps me going. I want to be the man that was handed a broken body, but lived a healed life. And was able to share healing and love and different things. I want to be a man who, who could see past beyond what I was born with, what I was dealing with, what people heaped on me, and I saw and believed for more. And so there's this old school song that, for, for real, when I feel super emo, super over, the, oh, 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 just over with life, I just put it on, and, and, it, and it just says, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. Every single thing, every crappy day, everything that you've gone through, it's going to be worth it because at the end of the day, as they were saying, like, not only do you, do you reach the throne of Jesus, not only do you get to be in his presence, because that's what heaven is, by the way. It's just being with Jesus. You also get to bring people with you. You also get to bring amazing people with you and be like, check this out. I was given nothing, and I brought all these people with me. And there's another scripture that says, live lives worthy of the calling that you've received. And that's what keeps me going. I want to be a man that the world is not worthy of. And I also want to live a life worthy of the calling I received. I looked at a young husband today. I sat down for lunch, and I said, you, my friend, are settling, and you are not living a life right now worthy of the calling that you've received. I said, you need to do something, and you need to do it now. And my friends, maybe, uh, maybe you need to do something tonight. I don't know what that looks like, but maybe it looks like just having a conversation with somebody. Because for real, you, you, you maybe didn't get the, the big bad word that with all the crazy visuals, but you know what? You got real life here. And the, the purpose is not for me to tell you all about my pain and my struggles and my past and whatever, but the goal is definitely to let you know you're not alone. The goal is definitely to be like, yo, I'm just like you. We can do this together. 
it's going to be worth it. And so if there's anything that, that I can say is, man, it, it's, it's a lot easier to pick up your cross when you got someone else right beside you doing the exact same thing. You can ask questions to them. You can say, yo, this is hard. They're like, I know, it's hard. But it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Live lives worthy of the calling that you've received. Live lives where you look past what you know, what you see, and live for more than what you ever have dreamed of, for real. And this sounds so cheesy and corny, but I feel like I got to say it. I said it earlier. One of my favorite writers says this. The greatest adventure is always on the other side of your greatest fear. Some of you guys are so afraid of being found out. Some of you guys are so afraid of being found out to be a fraud or insecure or anxious or fearful that you are so locked up that you won't even have a conversation about it. But my friends, stuff doesn't grow in the dark. It grows in the light. Whatever you need to share tonight, whatever you need to do differently tonight, bring it into the light. There's going to be no judgment, and there's going to be no condemnation. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But talk to somebody about it. Let us know how we can help. Fusion is here for that very reason, is to walk with you and to be disciples together. Yeah? Was this good tonight? Is this cool? Amen. Amen. Man, let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Man. Just for being present, using us, again, we wanted to make this parable uh, come to life for you all through each of our stories. And like James said, if there's anything that you want to unpack with anybody, even us, we're here, um, and we're about to close. So if I can get a couple uh, prayer leaders to come forth, um, we want to have them to extend uh, the, the conversation in whatever way that looks like. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's, you know, you are in a shallow place. Maybe, you know, you just need to talk about the certain things, uh, about things that are going on in your life. They're here. We're here. And, and we want to help you with that. Or if it's even a moment where you may not know Jesus, you, don't, you haven't experienced some of the things that we shared, uh, we want to have a conversation with you and, and help unpack that. So I have a few announcements, and, and we'll pray and dismiss. Um, so if I can have everybody stand up. I know we've been sitting for a while. Let's stand on up. And I can have a few more leaders as well. They can come up. So few announcements. Uh, again, we have our leader meeting in the New Here Lounge. Uh, if you are emerging leader or someone interested to hear about leadership, please go to our New Here Lounge. If this is your first time here, go to our VIP. And also uh, to sign up for baptisms, we have our Welcome Center as well. So what we want to do is to pray a blessing over you all. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of this moment with us. And, and we just pray, again, our, our jobs and, and our duty here is to have these moments with you all that will create movement uh, and momentum in a way that you can carry it out beside these four walls. So, James, could you please go ahead and pray us out? Yeah. Uh, can you just lift your hands all across this place? If it feels weird to you, this is just a sign of surrender. 
God, I just thank you for every single person here. And I ask that you would make us good ground. God, we don't want to modify our behaviors, but we want you to change us from the inside out. And right now, I just pray against any fear. I pray against any anxiety. I pray against anything that's holding us back from following you fully. You don't ask for our uh, half a heart, three quarters of a heart. God, you ask for our whole heart. You ask for us to love you with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so, God, I pray right now that each and every person would leave differently than when they came in. And we have an active choice in that. I pray a blessing for the conversations that are, that are gonna happen after I, I say amen. God, I thank you for the life change that's gonna happen in these walls due to this conversation and due to the conversation, Jesus, that you first started when you came. You said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You came with new, with different, but with love. And so, God, we just say that we want to be a people that are about new, we are about different, but we are about love. Jesus, you met each and every single person where they were, but you were not okay with them staying there. And so right now, God, we say thank you for meeting us where we're at. Take us somewhere where we've never been. Come on, right where you're at. Can you just say that? Hey, God, take me somewhere I've never been. Take me somewhere I've never been. Make us new. Make us new, God. We love you. I thank you for these people. I thank you for this community, and I believe in what you're doing through each and every single person. We love you. We worship you, and we give you all the glory and all the praise tonight. And everyone says, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, y'all. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.